Well, if you're going to follow along, go ahead and turn to James chapter 3. Uh, this was requested just the other day, so I spent a little bit of time, and, and hopefully I've uh, got enough notes here to cover this. Uh, specifically, I was asked to talk about really the interaction of, of language, uh, euphemisms, something in that regard. And so we're going to talk a little bit about controlling our tongue uh, and the use of euphemisms. And we're going to look at some language uh, definitions. And we'll also look at some scripture as we begin to talk about Christian conduct and, and how it is that we ought to speak. Now let's start off with just a very general principle as we begin to talk about controlling our tongue. And I'm going to go over to James chapter 3. Uh, the Christian is, is expected to control the words that they use as they speak to others. Go to James chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. I could have just used one or two verses, but what I wanted to do was actually we'll just go to James and we're going to read all of this and really just get one basic point from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. James writes, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God." Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Well, the point here as we look at James, if we try to summarize this up, is that the tongue doesn't seem like it could really do great damage, but James shows that it can get out of control real quick. He literally says it's basically as deadly as poison. And then he goes on and he points out to us as followers of God that it is completely illogical for a Christian to use their mouth to bless God in one breath and then turn around and curse man in the very next. Right? And very similarly, we get it is just illogical for me to claim to be a Christian and just use just complete horrendous language around other people. And even they can see the hypocrisy in that. And so certainly we as followers of God have been commanded to control our tongue. Now, with that being said, we understand that there is, there is correct and decent and pure language, but then there is also what we would call corrupt language. Now with this, I'm going to have to give just a little bit of definitions or um, generalizations as to what I'm talking about. 
But there are different types of what we would call corrupt language or corrupt speech. Most of us are familiar with them. I'll try to describe them and use appropriate words as best I can. Uh, and I'll try not to use words that, that would be inappropriate. There are some things I certainly wouldn't be able to cover in this lesson. But let's talk about different types of corrupt speech. Most of us have been around somebody that has used obscene language. Now you may say, well, what, def what really is the definition of obscene language or what does it include? Well, obscene language usually is sexually related type of speech. But let me say this as we, as we begin to talk about that. Not all, not all discussions about sexuality or things of a sexual nature are inappropriate. There are times when it is appropriate to have discussions about uh, sexuality and sexual function and where proper words would be used during those types of discussions. I've had classes during my, I had a class on, on sexuality uh, during my master's program and I never felt uncomfortable. We used the uh, correct words as we discussed uh, functions and, and body parts and so forth. But it certainly does not describe the majority of people who are around us when they talk about, for example, sexually related things. Let me take it to a little bit more simple uh, way of understanding it. My secular workplace, I work within a factory. Uh, it is not uncommon at any time for me to hear people joking flippantly about things of a sexual nature, making obscene comments, um, specifically more so around the males. I don't believe I've, by memory, really heard much from females, but I have in the past. Uh, I have seen it both from, from both genders, both male and females, making obscene, uh, using obscene language to describe things, right? Uh, so that's primarily when we use the word obscene what we're talking about. Usually it is talking about things of a sexual nature. Now there are, there are things that are profane, and we oftentimes talk about profanity being bad words, but if you go back and really look, the things that are profane usually are related to uh, religiously related uh, speech that is derogatory. Uh, that could be one who is making disrespectful or degrading remarks about God, the Father, Christ, the Holy Spirit, making degrading remarks about the church. How many of you guys have seen people hold signs up that say stuff like, God is dead, or uh, I saw somebody holding a sign up that said, I'm my own God. Now certainly those things are, those are profane words as they are attacking um, God Himself, uh, the deity of the Godhead. Uh, the same thing would go when you find people attacking His doctrine. That would be profane words, okay? And then we have another general classification of words that would not be acceptable. These are, these are phrase, or words that are not acceptable. We've got obscene language or obscene words. You have profane language or profane words, and then you have vulgar. Now, this is really a generalization. Um, most of us have heard about people being vulgar. Uh, that really just means that they are using words that are morally corrupt or offensive. Uh, sometimes it even includes what I earlier described as obscene regarding things being sexually explicit or of a nature. Let's go on over to Ephesians chapter 4, because certainly we as Christians, we don't want to be using obscene language. We don't want to use profane language. We don't want to be speaking vulgar in front of other people. And most of us get an idea of the general idea of, of what I'm talking about here. 
Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's going to... That's going to include things that are obscene or profane or vulgar. He says, But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. All right, so that's the, that's the intent, is to minister grace unto the hearers. We don't do that by using curse words, profanity, talking like the world around us. Uh, that's not what we accomplish when we begin to emulate their type of language. And so... The idea behind the Christian speech is, is it is to be edifying, it's to be building up others, it is to show that you are set apart and different from the world. It is really to serve as a blessing to those who hear it. And, and this really gives the overall standard for our, our speech patterns, our words, and so forth. Now, there are a couple different ways people use what we're just going to call profane or, or um, unacceptable speech or words, one of those would be, and I'm going to use biblical examples here, one of those would be when we utter a curse upon somebody or someone else. Now, I'm going to be very careful when I say this, uh, but I don't, I don't have another one that just pops into my mind. How many of you have ever heard somebody uh, say, damn you? Uh, they're literally uttering a curse on you. Um, the idea also, if, some, if somebody may have actually heard someone say, you know, you're... You're nothing but a curse, right? There's a lot of different ways people do this. Listen to Matthew 5.22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, that actually that word means to be empty-headed, foolish, to be worthless. Really worthless is probably the best manner uh, of that word, especially within context here. And whosoever shall say to his brother, worthless, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. So whether you render that as foolish or worthless, uh, that's not something that you want to be doing. And there's a reason why. Because to curse another person is literally to curse God's creation, to call it, to call it worthless, uh, to, to give it the idea that it is, it is less than what God had intended that is sin. God made the earth. God made people. All of that is to be a blessing. And with that, and most of us have heard somebody do this. They've called people names. They've basically said, said that they're worthless or so forth. And we want people to understand that God doesn't make junk. right? It's not appropriate for any Christian to degrade another person, either on their intellectual ability, uh, skin color, background, um, ethnic background, any, anything like that. To, to degrade somebody is really to say that they are, they are less than God's intended purpose. And so certainly we wouldn't want to be doing something like that, to utter a curse on someone or to degrade them or to call them worthless or less than what it was that God intended man to be. Again, God doesn't make junk. That's one of the ways that people will misuse language. Another one of those, most of us have heard this, some of us hear it quite often, would be to use God's name in vain. Listen to Exodus 20, verse 7. And this is done in a number of ways, more so than what most people think. Most people think it is when someone says, you know, God, and they use a, a bad word afterward. Sometimes we use God's name simply because we talk about God, but we do it in a very flippant nature, uh, very irreverent. Exodus 27, Thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord, thy God, in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name 
in vain. Now that principle, that's from the Old Testament, but the principle is still true today. We could look at a number of verses. God doesn't, God doesn't uh, want man to speak about Him in a vain way or in a very disrespectful way. Uh, again, He deserves all of our, our reverence and our, our respect. He deserves that because He is part of the Godhead. He is deity. And to use His name in some other way that is either irreverent or, I guess I will say flippant, simply does not give Him respect. And so therefore it is a misuse of our language. Uh, no matter how I'm using the name God or however my language is talking about God, if I'm doing it in an irreverent way, it is not an appropriate use of, of my language. Now, here's another thing that people oftentimes do, and I'm going to just give one example, but sometimes, and this really ties back into really the first point, sometimes people will take something that God made, uh, which was intended to be holy, it is holy, and they'll, they'll make it common. Uh, they do that regarding the church. How many of you guys have heard people talk about the church of Christ in a degrading way? That is a holy... Uh, institution. It has been from the very beginning. It is, it is the place where uh, that is made up of God's people. And so to talk about the church in a flippant way, and, and many people do it, uh, is really to be disrespectful regarding their language. Another one, another example would be, how about the sexual uh, relationship? That's a very good example. Uh, God made the sexual relationship to be a part of the husband and wife's um, relationship as far as intimacy goes. And if we begin to speak concerning that relationship, it, just as if it's some other casual activity, which, guys, the world around us does, uh, they'll, they'll take that, that intimate relationship, and they talk about it so flippantly. Uh, they talk about it in a way that really uh, denigrates it. Uh, far too many people talk about this type of thing in a joking way. And I use this example because where I work, again, this is something that is extremely common. You know, I, I saw today on social media where it said that, uh, I'll use a different word, but intimacy is not for men and women. Intimacy is for husbands and wives. And that's exactly right. But when you listen to the world around us talk about this intimate activity, they do it in a very degrading way. They'll talk about it in a way amongst people who are not married. They'll talk about it amongst people who are of the same gender. You'll hear people talk about these types of things in a very, very disrespectful way in relation according to what our scriptures teach. Uh, and certainly, this is a private matter between spouses. It's nobody else's business uh, what takes place within that marriage bond. Certainly, it's not something that we talk about openly uh, as as a general conversation, you may need to speak about it, let's say, for example, in a counseling office, or, or maybe you're having an issue and you're speaking with a minister. That would be acceptable, and you'd use proper language. But this isn't something you talk about uh, flippantly or in a degrading manner. And so you could look at examples like the sexual relationship between a husband and wife. You could look at examples of the church. There are so many things that are designed by God to be holy and pure, and yet people will take those things and they talk about them in a very irreverent way. Again, a total misuse of our language. Listen to Ephesians 5, 3, and 4 regarding my last point. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you. Right? Don't let this, don't let this be spoken of as taking place among the saints. Neither filthiness... That would cover people talking about this in a flippant way. 
nor foolish talking. How many people have you heard joke about um, sexually, sexually related things? Nor jesting, right? They'll say, well, I'm just, joking. I'm just joking about it, right? Which are not convenient or appropriate, but rather giving of thanks. Many of us have been places where we have heard people, not just uh, intimate things, but talking about inappropriate things, things that should never be spoken of in that type of a setting, uh, or, or maybe even around that type of an audience, right? Maybe you've heard people say, listen, we're in a mixed audience. There are certain things we ought not to talk about. Again, the Christian has to be very careful with that. Hebrews 13.4, and I'm using this because people do talk about uh, intimate things in a very oftentimes irreverent way. And we hear in Hebrews 13.4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, it's pure, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. I work with people who do not understand the sanctity of the marriage bed, and yet they'll talk about fornication, they'll talk about adultery in a very flippant way, and they don't understand that it was something designed by God to be pure, to be undefiled, and yet they simply defile it, and then they talk about it openly and joke about it like it's no big deal. For the Christian to do something like that uh, it is just... And most of us have probably heard people do, do something like this. It's just an inappropriate use of our words. Because God created that to be, to be pure and to be highly esteemed between uh, spouses. It is honorable, and so we don't speak about those types of things in an, in an unhonorable way or in a way which would promote or condone that which is unauthorized. Now, I have to say that again because you'll have Christians who will say, yeah, I don't, I don't use profanity, I don't use bad words, and yet, I mean, I know people who claim to be Christians who will openly speak about things, even in a condoning manner, such as, you know, um, homosexual unions or whatever it might be. So again, we, we have to have a proper use of language uh, regarding all the things that we talk about. Some things ought not to be spoken of uh, for the most part and with most audiences. Now, specifically what I was asked to talk about a little bit this evening was euphemisms. And euphemisms can be a little bit, uh, it can be a little bit tricky for some people to understand. Uh, I remember the first time I ever heard the word euphemism. I made a, I, I said something at school this was when I was down at school to become a minister. I used a word, um, didn't know it was inappropriate in any way. I got stopped by the instructor and he said, did you know that was a euphemism? And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, well, that's an inappropriate word to say. Uh, and I didn't know. I, I thought it was a slang word. I didn't know it was a euphemism for something else. And so I, I began to think a little bit about this today. I mean, where do, where do euphemisms really even fit into our language today? And I went back and, and actually got onto Google. I went to a number of different sites, and I just started typing in euphemism, euphemism and the Christian. And I began to look at examples. And it's interesting, uh, even for me, which I know what a euphemism is, and, and I, I don't use profanity. Uh, you could ask people in my secular workplace. They've never, they've never heard me cuss. Uh, but it's interesting, as I looked through the list, there were one or two words that I didn't realize even today were euphemisms because they, they weren't your standard euphemisms. They weren't really close to naughty words or bad words. And there were a few phrases, because euphemisms can also be phrases, there were a few phrases and a few words that I didn't even realize were euphemisms. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, there was one or two that I think I have used or 
you know, I, I didn't realize that it was, I thought it was a slang word, but I didn't realize it was a euphemism. So what exactly are euphemisms and why are they wrong? Or are they wrong? I guess I should say that. Euphemisms are words that are used in place of what is generally recognized as bad words, but not always. Sometimes you have words or phrases used in place of words that are actually good words. I'll give you an example here in a minute. Uh, so sometimes euphemisms are for a good, a good word or a good phrase. Sometimes euphemisms are actually for a bad phrase, and that's normally how we think of them. Uh, and some, so sometimes they're not actually bad depending on context and intent of the word. Let me give you an example of a euphemism for, for a word that is not considered bad. And again, remember, a euphemism is a word which is said in place of another word or a phrase which is said in place of another phrase. Uh, sometimes the, it's actually a phrase for a word. Most of you are familiar with uh, the word died when somebody dies. And most of you have actually heard this euphemism for the, for the word died. How many of you have ever heard someone say he passed away? This is an example of a euphemism for a good word, right? Instead of saying he died, which to be honest can come across pretty harsh, when we're talking to a member of a loved one and their, friend, their, their loved one has just died or their friend has just died, we don't usually use that word. We usually will say, I heard that they have passed away, okay? It simply is another phrase replacing that word, okay? So again, euphemisms are not always bad. However, <laughs> let me give you a bad euphemism uh, for the phrase died. If someone's loved one died, I certainly could use the euphemism of, I've heard they passed away, and they know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's a word or a phrase that replaces another word or phrase. But I'm not going to use the euphemism of, hey, I heard your loved one kicked the bucket today, right? Again, it's very, very irreverent, well, not irreverent, it's a very disrespectful way to talk about that person who has just died. Using the phrase passed away as opposed to kick the bucket gives a totally different approach to how it is you feel about this person's feelings, okay? Here's another problem with euphemisms before I begin to look at uh, negative examples of euphemisms. Another problem with euphemisms is this. There are some people who will claim virtually everything is a euphemism, right? You may, you may, you may make an exclamation and nothing really comes to mind right now, but let's, let's say I see something and it, it startles me and I say, blue, or whatever the word is. And somebody say, that's a euphemism. And it, it may be. But it may not be. I have had people tell me that words were euphemisms. Don't say that word, it's a euphemism. And I'm like, I don't know what word that's supposed to replace. Uh, so I go look up and is this word a euphemism? And I, nobody has it listed as a euphemism, but somebody told me that's a euphemism. Can't use that word. So that's another problem you have. There are people who will virtually claim that everything is a euphemism. They get carried away. But let me give you some common unacceptable euphemisms. How many of you guys have heard somebody use the word dang? You know, somebody, I drop a hammer on my foot and I say dang. Well, what is that word supposed to replace? Well, most of you realize, and I hate to use the inappropriate word, but the word dang is being used to replace the word damn. And so they're using the word dang, but that's not what they really mean. I mean, they smashed their finger. They said dang because it doesn't really sound that bad. Remember, it's oftentimes a euphemism. It's 
It's a word that really sounds better than the bad word you're not supposed to use. Okay, so they drop a hammer on their foot and they just say dang. How many of you have heard somebody say shoot? Right? As a children, you weren't allowed to say the bad S word. I'm not going to say it here. I couldn't say the S word, but I could get away with saying shoot. Right? It's as close as I could get. Because uh, if I'd have said the bad word, I would have gotten in trouble. But if I say shoot, I can get away with that. Right? And we know what that word is that I'm replacing with, with the word shoot. Uh, how about when we were kids, we couldn't say, we, we couldn't walk around and flippantly say the word hell. Um, and so we would say heck, right? We, we knew we'd get in trouble if we were using hell. We, we were told that was a bad word, a dirty word. So again, let's use the example of I drop a, I drop a hammer on my foot and I say heck instead of saying hell. And I've actually heard that phrased in a number of other ways regarding something in hell, but again, it, it is a euphemism. Uh, how about this one, geez, right? Uh, oftentimes we don't even really think about that. Uh, it's used obviously in, in the place of the word Jesus, right? Nobody wants to speak flippantly about Jesus or in an irreverent way about Jesus, but many people think they can get away if they just say geez. Now it's interesting, I was thinking about the word crikey and most of us have heard that. That's an Australian word. Uh, we used to see that on um, Steve Irwin. He would always say crikey. And I was curious if that was, in fact, a euphemism. I looked it up, and based off what I could find, uh, apparently it is a euphemism down in Australia, uh, and it's an offshoot of, of my understanding of Christ. Right? It's, a, it's a change of the word, but that's really what it means. Right? And so again, that would be a euphemism. Um, how many, when you get on social media, you'll see OMG? I'm not even going to say that one out loud, but oh my. And I see Christians do it all the time. And again, right, nobody wants to go around and use an exclamation and say, oh my, uh, and then refer to uh, God in a flippant way. And so what do they do? They, they put OMG. And you may say, well, it's just an acronym. Well, it's, it's the same thing. You're using the acronym in place of a phrase that you know you really ought not to be saying. So again, it's very similar to a euphemism, right? Uh, euphemisms, as I mentioned earlier, they're not always single words. Uh, let me give you another example. How many, most of you watching this are probably very familiar with the phrase or the word steal. Stealing is a sin. To talk about stealing in a joking manner or a flippant manner or to act like it's no big deal certainly is inappropriate for the Christian. So how many of you have heard the phrase, we used to use this when I was a kid, uh, people would joke about it and use the phrase, right? You got a five finger discount. Again, it is a phrase being used for another word. It's, it is again a euphemism. Uh, it's, they don't want to say stealing, right? They want to say, I got a five finger discount. Um, I see quite often people will say, I, and I actually know a person that says this, he does this. Um, instead of saying stealing, he will say, I appropriated it, right? It sounds a little better than saying I actually stole it, right? Or I confiscated it in a joking manner. Now, again, that is talking very flippantly and, and making it like it's no big deal for someone to go out and to sin. Again, it's just a very flippant way to talk about an immoral act. Again, I'm trying to give examples here 
regarding euphemisms and, and our language. Um, another area, and I'm not going to really go into detail because I can't. <laughs> There's no way I could even try to touch some of these. Uh, and I kind of touched on it earlier, but we find people use euphemisms quite often for uh, body parts, body activities, sexual activity, and many other things that are just not acceptable for this sermon. And oftentimes we will call them just slang, slang words, right? And really they are. Uh, but you have people who have come up with a lot of euphemisms and uh, euphemism type phrases in place of those things. And for some people, that's, that's their common way of speaking. That's how they were raised. That's what they know. Many of them don't even realize that uh, it's, it's not an appropriate thing to say. Again, the first time I was corrected publicly for using a euphemism, I didn't, I didn't know what a euphemism was, uh, and I certainly didn't know that the word I used was a euphemism. Uh, and so, as we talk about euphemisms, and certainly we don't want to be accused of using irreverent language to talk about certain activities, things, or what have you, there is required a little bit of research on your part to know what type of phrases you can or cannot say. Uh, in general, if it's a slang word, most likely, in a lot of cases, you really probably ought not to be using it uh, because there's a reason why they have that slang word. Now, that doesn't cover all of them. There are certain slang words that would be fine to use, uh, but a, a majority of them are not. Uh, so most of us have an idea of what euphemisms are. If you didn't, you have a general idea now. Um, you really know what they mean. They simply mean the word that you would have said, but you really can't, or the phrase that you should be using, but you're not going to for whatever reason. Uh, and you know really what the speaker intended by it. Uh, you could think about a number of words, the appropriate words or the appropriate phrase to say something correctly, and then you think about the terms people use to flippantly talk about it. That's, that's when we find a problem with euphemisms. Now again, not all euphemisms are bad. There are euphemisms for words that are acceptable, and I gave an example. When someone dies, for example, we'll say they passed away. Uh, but the idea is, is there's, there's no change in intent when a euphemism is used. When I say a person passed away, the intent is still the exact same thing as whether I said they died. If I say the person flippantly kicked the bucket, the intent is still the same with the word as if they had died. Uh, and the same thing goes when you begin to use words like heck, uh, dang, darn, any of those shoot, any of those uh, euphemis, euphemism words. Okay. Now let's go back for just a second and talk about God's standard for speech. And some would say, well, you know what, it, the language changes all the time, and so really all I'm doing is staying relevant with the times. It's not that I'm trying to be disrespectful, but you, you use certain words and people don't even really know what they mean. I'm going to be honest, I hear words all the time that are brand new words and I have no idea what they mean. I have to go look them up. So that idea of if I use an older word or a word that people don't use much anymore, they're going to have to go look it up. You're going to have to look it up whether it's a brand new word or whether it's an older word and the correct word. Okay. Uh, and as Christians, we have to be able to speak in a way which is representative of the fact that we are Christians. And that's because God expects it of us and God's standards are very different from what we find in the world. Listen to Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I mean, ask yourself, I mean, there used to be this big fad going on for a long time. People were wearing bracelets, WWJD. What would Jesus do? I'm not going to go to that extreme, but I mean, ask yourself, if you're considering using a word, ask yourself, is this a word that Jesus would have probably used during His ministry? Or is this a topic that Jesus would have been speaking about in a flippant manner publicly during, during uh, a teaching session or as He's presenting a sermon? I can guarantee you Jesus wouldn't have been speaking flippantly about the intimate relationship between a husband and wife. He wouldn't have been using words or talking about it in a joking manner. He wouldn't be degrading uh, the church. He wouldn't be degrading the family, as many do today, jokingly. How many of you guys have, have heard people talk about husbands and they're really painted in a picture as they're the dumb oaf of the house, the wife, she's the one that wears the pants, and, and she's the smart one and he's the dumb one. That's even what we find being shown on TV. Uh, that is not what we would have found Jesus talking uh, like during His ministry. And, and we as Christians ought not to talk like that either. Uh, the world doesn't, for the most part, look at profane or vulgar or obscene language as a bad thing. Usually, usually it's, the, you know, it's just personal preference. This is how I talk, uh, and it's not, a big, it's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. Uh, for someone to irreverently or to disrespectfully use words or to talk about certain things as if it's very flippant or it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, and it's important we get that because when we go around and we begin to talk to other people around us and, and we begin to talk about different things, they listen to the words that we say and they listen to the way that we say it. And what it does is, is it really... It really reveals what it is that I, as a, as a Christian, think with my heart or my Bible mind. Listen to Matthew 12, 34 through 35. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? Well, that's, a, that's a good question. How can evil people speak good things? Uh, evil people don't normally speak good things. He goes on. For out of the abundance of the heart, that's the Bible mind, the mouth speak it, right? If you've got an obscene mind, that's all you think about, you're going to speak obscenely. If you have a profane mind, you're going to speak profanely. If you have a vulgar mind, you're going to speak vulgar things. That's what he's saying. He goes on, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Many years ago, before I was a Christian, I will tell you, I had a foul mouth. I had a foul mouth. I used inappropriate words. I joked flippantly about things that I ought not to have joked about. I talked openly about things that I ought not to have talked about. Uh, and I did it in a very disrespectful way, and it's because I didn't care. Uh, I didn't have any knowledge really about um, God's requirement for people in general as to how they speak and what they say. Uh, and so, because I had an I'll be honest, really an evil mind at that point, I spoke evil things, just like, just like Jesus said. If I would have known the truth, and that would have been the things that were in my mind, as we find in Philippians, right, we talk about that which is pure, and he goes on and gives a list. If those would have been the things in my mind, then my words would have demonstrated that through the purity of my words or the way in which I spoke. And Jesus, he makes it clear that we need to take our words very seriously. 
Listen to Matthew 12, 36 through 37. This is just skipping down another verse. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That doesn't make me feel very good for those that I know around me who speak in the most horrible, horrible way, uh, irreverent about God, disrespectful, disrespectful about those things which are by nature holy, uh, talking about the marriage bond, talking about intimacy within the marriage, uh, speaking disrespectful about the church, about Christians, and, and the list would go on and on. I mean, they are going to be responsible for all of their words and how they have used them. And again, as we talk about how the Christian ought to live, and again, we're, we're of the world, but, or we're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? We live in the world. Uh, we can't get away from the world around us. Uh, there, there are times where I'm talking with someone, and I, I don't expect them to drop the the universal bad word that we can't really say that starts with an F. I don't expect them to do that, right? Uh, but I am in the world. I'm not of the world. I don't talk like that. Uh, it certainly catches my, my attention when I hear people use that type of language. Uh, they know that I don't use that word. And for the most part, people don't talk that way around me uh, because they know I don't talk like that. But when I leave, I hear them talk to other people like that. And again, because I'm I'm in the world but not of the world. I may be watching a TV show. I, I, have, no, I have no reason to believe that they're going to use a bunch of profanity uh, and say a bunch of things that are horrible. And so again, my ears ought to perk up as, as I hear that, right? I can't, I can't get out of the world. Uh, I, I, live, I live here in the world. I live amongst those in the world. I live around and work around non-Christians. But I have to understand that part of my conduct as a Christian is that my words are appropriate. Listen to Colossians 3, 8 through 10. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Here's a big one. Filthy communication out of your mouth. I really don't need to summarize it anymore. That talks about all the bad language. It talks about bad, inappropriate slang words that we shouldn't use. That talks about euphemisms where I know I shouldn't say a bad word, so I replace it with another word. That is, that is the filthy communication that he's talking about. It's talking about inappropriate joking and jesting about things I know I should not be joking about. He says, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Right? You may have done that before you were a Christian. You can't do that now. And that's what I was saying. I used to do that before I was a Christian. I know I can't do that now. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. I want, to, I, want to, I want to be or mimic the image of Christ. He wouldn't have spoken that way. He wouldn't have talked about those things flippantly or irreverently. And so, because I want, to, I want to mimic the image of Christ, I also have to mimic what I think would be the language of Christ and the things that He would say. And so we really then begin to have to ask this question as I begin to wrap this up. When you're watching movies and when you're watching TV and when you're, when you're around people that are of the world, do you become uncomfortable when you begin to hear them use bad words, euphemisms? Do you become uncomfortable if they begin to talk about inappropriate things, uh, really in, a, in an incorrect setting or things that they really have no business even talking about? I mean, does that make you uncomfortable? 
The reason I say that is, is because if that doesn't make you uncomfortable, you're probably more like the world than you are uh, like a follower of God. And so you need to reevaluate yourself. That, that type of language should, should really cause some concern. Uh, I went back to watch a movie uh, that I, hadn't, I haven't seen this movie in, I'm going to say 10 or 15 years. And I remembered that I thought it was funny back then, and I hadn't seen it in so long. I didn't remember much about it. And so I went back to watch it, and I only made it about four minutes. I made it about four minutes in the movie. And the reason was, was the, the language was just so bad. It was just a lot of cussing that I didn't recall. And you know why I didn't notice it? Because when I watched it 10 years ago, that wasn't, that wasn't abnormal for me. I was used to that type of thing, so it didn't bother me. Uh, it, it bothers me now. And, and filthy language, uh, constant use of euphemisms, inappropriate type of words, that really ought to bother you. And if it doesn't, you need to ask yourself why. Would you be embarrassed to use those words in front of your parents? Or would you be embarrassed to use those types of words or language or would you be embarrassed to discuss that topic if you were around what you knew to be faithful Christians? That again will give you a good idea about whether or not you should be using a certain word or phrase or even talking about that topic. Uh, how about this one? How do you speak when you're not at the church building? Do you speak the same way here when you're amongst Christians as you speak when you are at your secular workplace or when you're at school? Uh, if you have if you have a little switch on the side and you have your church talk and then you switch it off to have your school talk or your work talk, uh, really what you've got going on is, and I don't know another word for it, is you're a hypocrite. Okay? There should be no switch, switching off from church talk to work talk or church talk to school talk or whatever it is. Uh, your language should be the same at all times. And, and with that understanding, the reason is, is because God hates people with a perverse mouth. He doesn't he doesn't like that. It's not acceptable. Uh, he's given the standard for how it is that we should talk. We actually looked at this the other day just by happenstance. Proverbs 4.24, Put away from thee a froward or perverse mouth, uh, and perverse lips put far from thee. Now, it's not okay for you to talk like that. It was never okay. God has never said that it was okay. As a matter of fact, He doesn't want you to have a perverse mouth. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward or perverse mouth do I hate. You'll recall I started off by saying God hates people that have perverted mouths. They talk perverted about different things. None of that is acceptable. And so again, we have to control our speech. Now, I really should have spent a lot more time in the book of James uh, earlier we started off in James chapter 3 specifically. Uh, I'm going to go back to James chapter 1. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. If you claim to be a Christian and you're using foul language all the time, if you're using euphemisms, there's only two reasons you could be using euphemisms. One, it's no big deal to you. Or two, you were like me when I was a brand new Christian and you didn't know what a euphemism was or you didn't know that the word was actually a euphemism. Those are the only reasons that a faithful or a person striving to be faithful would use a euphemism, right? Uh, so now you have a better understanding about, about what a euphemism is. So what exactly does 
bad language and euphemism result in? I think really the only thing you could say is this, nothing good, <laughs> nothing needful. Uh, certainly nobody is edified through that type of language. What it really does is, is it reduces my influence amongst those who hear me talking like that. Uh, and it makes me a bad example to all of those people who are listeners to the things that I said or to the words that I have said. And it puts souls at risk, including my own. And so I hope you've got a little bit of a better understanding about language. I know we had to cover this a lot in generalities, and it's because it's really a difficult subject to touch, to touch on. We can talk about it and say you shouldn't speak in an inappropriate manner, and I can give some examples for what's inappropriate or vulgar or obscene or profane, but I can't cover them all. And so again, uh, the Christian really needs to go back and really for euphemism, do a little bit of research. When you, if you think there's a phrase you use quite often, look it up. Try to determine if it's being replaced for another inappropriate word. Uh, and really just look at your language in general. And not only that, look at the topics of the things that you talk about and the way in which you talk about them. Again. There are certain topics that are uncomfortable to talk about, uh, but they could be talked about in certain settings appropriately with, with correct words, and there's a number of reasons why that might need to take place. But in general, the most, people, most of the people around us, when they talk about these types of topics, they do it in a joking way, a very flippant manner, uh, really in a, in a way that shows no respect to the topic at hand at which they're talking about. So again, I hope you've got a better understanding about the use of our tongue uh, and specifically a little bit more about euphemisms and phrases. Now as I draw this to a close, certainly my concern is, as for anybody watching this, are you a Christian? If you're watching this and you don't know how to become a Christian, it's not very complicated. Uh, what I would encourage you to do is to go back and, and begin to look at specifically the book of Acts. Go back and look at the conversion accounts. Look at how people became Christians. You had someone who was teaching the gospel. That's how faith comes, by hearing, Romans 10, 17. Uh, they, because of what they heard, they had faith, Hebrews 11, 6. Uh, and Jesus made it clear that if you don't have faith and you don't believe that He was a Messiah, you're going to die in your sins, John 8, 24. But they heard the Word of God. They believed Jesus was the Christ. There's a number of other things they believed. They believed in the church, the one church that Jesus would establish, Matthew 16, 18 through 20. They believed in the one faith, uh, Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, uh, and the unity of the church. Again, also jot down Jude 1, 3. But they believed in a number of things, and because of that, they were willing to confess Christ. Uh, go back and look up uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And they were also willing to uh, be immersed in water for the remission of sins. That's what Jesus taught in Mark 16, 16. Peter teaches the same thing over in Acts 2, 38. And there's a number of verses that talk about it. Matter of fact, today we talked about being uh, a, a new man. That occurs through the death, burial, and resurrection uh, example or similitude uh, of reenacting that death, burial, and resurrection through immersion in water. That's when we become that new man. And so they heard the Word of God. They believed a number of things. They repented of their sins. Uh, if I didn't give you the verses for that, that's Luke 13, 3 and 5, also Acts 17, 30. They confessed Christ and they were baptized in water. Uh, full immersion. They weren't sprinkled. They weren't poured. Uh, you don't find any examples of people who believed or taught faith-only salvation. 
That is nowhere in our scriptures. So if you want to become a Christian, it's not complicated. We just need to sit down and study some certain things. There's things you'd need to understand. Be willing to study that with you. Be willing to put you in touch with a local congregation if need be. Uh, and those who obeyed the gospel were added to the church by the Lord Himself. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Now, if you're watching this as a, and you are a Christian, ask yourself and go back. Please reevaluate yourself. I did as I prepared for this lesson, and there was, there was only one word uh, that I could think of that uh, I have said. I didn't realize that it indeed was a euphemism, but it was. Uh, ask yourself, are there words that you use that are not appropriate? I won't use that word anymore. Uh, I repented of using that, that uh, inappropriate word, uh, and I know it's inappropriate, and so uh, my goal would be to never do it again. Uh, go back and look at your language. Look at the words that you use. Ask yourself if there are some phrases you're questionable on. Are they appropriate to use or not use? In general, is your language ed edifying? Is your language appropriate? Is it, is it pure? Is it being a good example or representative of a good example for those that claim to be Christians? As I draw this to a close, if there's a way that we can help you in any way, you can contact us uh, and we'll do whatever is within our power to assist you.